take a minute and um, if you've been around for a little bit, you know that uh, I like to have us open up the Bibles together instead of putting the words on the screen. It may drive people crazy, but I'm sure I'll get an email about it sometime. So now <laughs> let's open up the, uh, the, the word. Let's look at Matthew real quick. I know we're in Acts and you're thinking, why are you going to Matthew? Stay in Acts. Let's open up to Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 through 20. Let's listen to this story and how it's going to connect with us today as we hear about Philip and this Ethiopian guy on a deserted road and what God is going to do. So verses 13 through 20, chapter 14 of Matthew. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place, a desolate place. By himself. When the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away, Jesus, to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. We got to go. But Jesus said, they need not go away. And in a very emphatic finger pointing, he says, you go feed them. Give them something to eat. Verse 17, they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And in another version, it was a little boy that, that Andrew found that had a little lunch pail with the, the fishes and loaves in it. And Andrew said, will this work? And Jesus says, well, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. So if there was every woman to every guy, then that was 10,000 plus the children that was there eating out of this miracle. This miracle, which is also, this be the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, but this miracle is recorded in all four Gospels. It was something that, that everyone needed to pay attention to and understand. It's a famous passage. It's the feeding of the 5,000. It's, it's, it's a great passage to, to listen to and learn. Children learn it. But as I read it this morning in view of Acts chapter 8, I thought about it and I said, what if, what if the disciples, after being told by Jesus, you go give them something to eat, what if they just didn't listen? What if they looked at Jesus? Now, that's not too far-fetched. We are all sinful, stiff-necked people. And whether Jesus is standing right in front of us or, or, or not, we are prone to just kind of disobey and say, now we're going to do our own thing. What if they did that? What if they saw all the calamities and all the illnesses and everything that was going on with the crowd? And they said, just forget it. We're moving on. This is a desolate place. This place is good for nothing. There's no fruit here. We need to move. Well, they would probably look a lot like us most days if we're being honest. Too hurried to see 
people and situations and opportunities that the Lord puts in front of us, too quick to move on to see our commonplaces, our workplaces, our homes, the grocery store, Starbucks, as mission fields, as opportunities that God is putting in front of us to engage. We're too fill-in-the-blank to fail to see an opportunity to share the gospel and the good news that we know in Jesus. If you are like that, silently raise your hand. If you know that there's been times in your life where it's just been too busy, you've been too quick, you, you gotta, you're following your own, this is, let them help themselves, I'm going on with my life. You see, sharing Jesus doesn't have to be because this is a big share of the gospel passage in Acts chapter 8 today. It doesn't have to be knock on the door, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Let's sit down and talk. That's, you can do that if, you so, if you're so inclined. Dee and Brian Turner, if you're going to go knock on doors, just let me know. I'll pray for you, okay? No. It doesn't have to be as formal as that. It could just be simply seizing moments and opportunities to listen and attend to a person's needs to see them hurting, sit and listen, and provide what it is that they may need. To give them the gift of being seen and known and heard. And finally, as you move along in that conversation, which could be immediately or it could be over time, you begin to weave in the things that you know to be true about Jesus Christ, how Jesus can help make sense of whatever it is that they may be going through. Immediate conversations are things like when you're sitting on a plane and the person next to you looks at you who is a pastor and they don't know you and they say, hey, what do you do for a living? <sighs> here we go. Like, you know, <laughs> they have to say it. It's happened to me a couple of times traveling here back and forth from California. Someone asked what I did, and I finally said, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. And they said, oh. I said, usually, you know, we kind of, pastors hold that card back a little bit. Because as soon as you play it, you get a very, oh, that's nice. And then they're gone. You know, they just beeline it away. Or it could be over time. Listening to and attending to the needs of a coworker, of a family member, of a child, of a spouse of a neighbor. Our eyes are too busy. Our feet are too quick to move. We fail to seize those moments where Christ through his Holy Spirit compels and commands us, you feed them as we walk through our daily lives. In the feeding of the 5,000, the boy just has a simple lunch. And through the obedience of the disciples to say, okay, here, here's this lunch, Jesus, do something with it. 5,000 people plus were fed and saw a miracle that day. Can you imagine what Christ can do with you by simply having a conversation? If he can take loaves and fishes and multiply it, a simple conversation is pretty easy for the Lord. Today, we see in Acts chapter 8, the man named Philip, who we've been talking about here a little bit, it's Philip and Simon the magician was last week, and Simon trying to be the, the greatest somebody, and Philip is just there doing his thing, preaching the word, and, and Simon goes away, not being counted a part of the group, because he just wanted to be like God, whereas Philip is just sharing the good news. And so now Philip is now being led by the Holy Spirit once again to a desolate place a desert place, 
I need you to see the connection between what I read in the feeding of the 5,000, the desolate place, and where Philip is at. He's being led by the Spirit. He's being obedient to the call, and he seizes a spiritual moment. And that's exactly what I would have for us today to lock in and remember. If you have your journals, write it down. The importance of seizing spiritual moments, seeing the world through Christ's eyes, seeing people where they truly are, and taking those moments to let them be seen and let them be known by a holy God. Y'all ready to dive in and see how this works? I'm excited. Excited faces, let me see. Okay, we're ready to go. All right, let's go in. Let's open up to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 30. Pew Bibles, page 1089. We pick up with Philip. Simon has gone away. We don't hear from him anymore. The apostles have returned. They're going back, and they're preaching to the Samaritans on their way. Now, here in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 30, Philip continues. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Circle that if you got your journals. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasure. Now stop here. If you're reading this and you know what eunuch means, you're thinking, wow, this just escalated real quickly. Like, why do we need to have, what are we, this is unfortunate to have a story about this, 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 this eunuch. And if you don't know what eunuch is, you need to look it up because I feel uncomfortable telling you. <laughs> They're missing some parts. But they were highly valued in their society. Okay, they were not highly valued in the Jewish society, but where he's at, he is with in the queen's kind of court, and he's in charge of all her treasure. So they are, in other, in other cultures, they are used uh, for places of prominence. He had to come to Jerusalem to worship. Something was calling him to Jerusalem of all places, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. It's a clue into that he also has some cash. He's got his own chariot. He has access to something that he can read, the prophet of Isaiah, and he's reading it. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Let's kind of see, pick a part here. Seizing spiritual moments. When we seize a spiritual moment, we have to first understand the sending nature of the Holy Spirit. This passage opens up with Philip being completely obedient to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, rise up and go, and sends Philip to a place that would be, in their minds, the ends of the world. Ethiopia, the ends of the known world. And here now, you're seeing the fullness of Acts 1.8. We've gone from Jerusalem to Judea, last week Samaria, and now the gospel is coming to the ends of the earth with this Ethiopian eunuch. But the Spirit says, rise up and go, and Philip just immediately responds. You see, the Holy Spirit is a sending spirit. And those of us who abide in him and he in us, he awakens the desire to go. 
If you have only ever just come and rose up and go and sat in these pews and then rised up and went and went home and never did anything with the message in which you've been equipped with, you're not necessarily abiding with the Holy Spirit fully. The Holy Spirit will awaken that desire. Open your eyes to truly see people where they are at. And so what happens with Philip? The Holy Spirit says, rise up and go on this desert road, this desolate place. In the Greek, that word desert means, uh, in some ways, unappropriated. There's not a purpose for this place. And so he sends, the Spirit sends Philip to a place that has no purpose to meet a eunuch who doesn't have a purpose in the Jewish faith. Can you imagine what God's going to do with all of this. I read in my, in my studies this quote about desert and, des and, and desolation in these places where it's uncultivated and unappropriated. It says, desert is ironically where God richly grants his presence and provision for those seeking him. The limitless Lord shows himself strong in the limiting scenes of life. Feeding of the 5,000, and now we're here on this desert road with a deserted person, this eunuch, and Philip obeying the Spirit to go and to be sent and to go up near that chariot. Notice the Holy Spirit doesn't say to Philip, go up and talk to. He says, go up and join that chariot. Go up there near it. Philip has to kind of obey the urgings of that, of that call to say, hey, what is it that you are reading? There's a great connection here too. So as we were to move on real quick, but I'm not going to go fully in here, the next passages there that, that, that this eunuch is reading come from Isaiah. Phil, uh, the eunuch is reading this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation for his life is taken away from the earth? Does anyone know? where that passage is in Isaiah that this eunuch is reading? It is from the famous, well-known passage of basically the song of what Christ is going to do. For he is despised, he is rejected. For our transgression, you know, that all of that part of, of Isaiah that we hear at Christmas. Here this eunuch is reading that very same passage here to try to connect the dots. And so, Philip is nudged by the Holy Spirit. He hears Isaiah being read, and he says, do you understand? There's also a great, um, I found this interesting. I don't know if you will. There was this great thread between Isaiah being read and what Philip does in response to this eunuch. The Spirit said, rise up and go, and Philip went. The Spirit says, go up to the chariot, and Philip runs to the chariot. He's ready to go. He is a lot like the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, it says this about Isaiah's commissioning. Every prophet kind of gets commissioned to go and speak and talk. In Isaiah's commissioning, the Lord says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. So there's a great, I think, a great connection between Philip and Isaiah, and the eunuch is reading Isaiah. Good things are about to 
happen. The Holy Spirit will take us places that we never thought we would go and have us do things that we never thought were imaginable. You've heard me say this it's kind of saying before about sin. Sin will take you places you never thought you would go and keep you there longer than you ever thought you wanted to stay. But the Holy Spirit flips that on its head and the Holy Spirit will take us places we never thought we would go and have us do things we never thought imaginable. This is an impossible situation. This is a eunuch who is not welcome into the Jewish courts. He can only worship in the Gentile courts. He's never going to be able to be in the family, in the faith of the Jewish faith because of his condition. And so on this deserted road with this deserted person, God says, let's do something great here. Go up there and listen to what he is reading and help him connect the dots which is exactly what Philip does. He sees the eunuch for who he is, someone who is lost, needing to be found. When I was in Florida, I was at a church plant. And a church plant, if you've ever been in a church plant, that's someone that's trying to grow a church from nothing. And basically, that's what this pastor that I worked for did. The PCUSA took him, they parachuted, dropped him into this place called Fleming Island. They gave him a little bit of money and said, go make a church. And so he made this church. Now, when you're in a church plant, you have to do ministry a little bit differently. It's not so much, you don't have the luxury of like, come on in and, and join us. You kind of have to go out and find people to say, hey, there's a church. If you don't know Jesus, come, come listen. And so my senior pastor there, did this thing called the chicken wing. Go ahead, do this. Go ahead, do that real quick. Do the little chicken wing. And so when you're in the gatherings place in the lobby of the church, he would often do one of these things that you would see clear across, and you go, like that. Well, like this. And so when he did that, he was pointing to a person that he wanted me or somebody else to go and talk to. Go talk to that person. Go see that person. They are new. Chicken wing. Gone. They're new. The mission places that the Holy Spirit may call you to go to could be in a deserted place. Could be in China. Could be in Uganda. Mary Brooke is in Uganda, I believe. No, where's she at? Kenya. Kenya. She's in Kenya doing the medical missions. It could be all over the world. But the most difficult places that the Holy Spirit could actually send you might actually just be there in the gathering space or there in the fellowship hall or in the classroom next to you if you're a teacher or the cubicle if you work a boring job. <laughs> Your neighbor. Think of the chicken wing. It's because what, what that pastor was teaching me is that people need to be seen and they need to be known and they are valued and they need to hear the gospel. And it can happen with a simple, hey, how are you? And grow into bigger and more conversations for them to really know who Christ is. We need to see people and be truly sent. The eunuch is an important, albeit strange, part of the story. Although he is at a high importance in his own culture and religion, like I said, the Jews wouldn't let him in. And so on this desolate, deserted place, God sends Philip to give the gift of salvation to somebody who thought that he didn't deserve it. And once again, we are reminded that the gift of salvation is open for everyone. We heard that through Carrie's message this morning. 
doesn't matter if you're important or if you're not important. It's open for all who are seeking. This is a moment for us to seize as well, to truly see people as mission fields to hear the gospel. I'll tell you one more story, and then I'll, I'll get off of it. We were at the Eco Conference, Bill Gross and Tom Johnston, myself, and Carrie. And this person was giving a, uh, closing out the, the whole session and was giving this talk about seeing people. And so in her church, she was, uh, she's the children's pastor at Willow Creek, which is a big church. And she was telling them about this guy in her church is really, really gruff, has a gruff voice, and, but loves to evangelize, loves to tell people about Christ. And so he's sitting at a McDonald's. Let's just call him Bill. Not because Bill, our Bill is gruff, but let's just call him Bill anyways. And so Bill is sitting there and he sees a homeless man sitting next to him in a booth talking to himself and obviously down and out. And Bill thought, God, is this the best that you have for this person? Full stop. Seizing spiritual moments is having the eyes to look at people and say, is this the best that God has for this person? And if it isn't the best that God has for this person, seizing that moment to help them see that. And so gruff Bill is sitting there, and he's looking at, and he's praying, Lord, just let me know the time to talk to this homeless man. And the homeless man, while Bill is praying, looks at him and says, what do you want from me, man? And gruff Bill is like, do you know Jesus? (laughs) And, And takes this moment to go over to this guy and try to tell him about Jesus. Do you know Jesus loves you in spite of your sins? And the guy's like, I don't care about my sins. Well, Jesus does. And the guy's like, I don't give two figs. I just want to be left alone. Well, Jesus is not going to leave you. And so it just goes through this whole evangelism with this guy. All because he seized a moment, a spiritual moment, and thought, is this the best that's for this guy. Well, Philip does the same thing. He questions whether you realize it or not. He questions with the eunuch, is this the best that God has for him? And so we know he's reading Isaiah. And the verse 34, the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does this prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Who is Isaiah talking about? The eunuch asked. Then Philip opened his mouth, which is another connection to Isaiah. Because when Isaiah was called to give prophecy, an angel of the Lord pressed coal on his lips so that he would burn and say the truth. And now Philip, using his lips, opens his mouth and beginning with Scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. This is evangelism on a platter, everybody. Wouldn't it be great if we saw an opportunity to seize a spiritual moment and the person was reading the Bible was reading a passage that directly correlates to Jesus and is actively seeking to know who Jesus is. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But not all, they don't always work this way. But I will say this, and what we can take from this is understanding that God will help us in the midst of our seizing these moments. I guarantee you there will be a time in that conversation or in your service with somebody where there will be an opening where you can connect the dot from what they are going through to knowing who Christ is. We just have to be obedient to it and seize that moment. The good news is too good not to share. 
If you all love, you all love Jesus, raise your hand, nod if you love Jesus, right? Right? It's too good not to share. Why would we ever want to hold this away? You see, the one thing that draws us in great unity with everyone else in the world, whether they believe in Jesus or not, is one day everyone in the world is going to cease to exist. And so that should create some great urgency with us who know the good news to try to gather as many as we can to hear it. So instead of seize the spiritual moment, maybe I'll borrow a phrase from this movie, Dead Poet Society, where he says it a little bit differently. Now, Mr. Pitts. It's a rather unfortunate name. Mr. Pitts. Where are you? Mr. Pitts, will you open your hymnal to page 542? Read the first stanza of the poem you find there. the virgins to make much of time? Yes. That's the one. Somewhat appropriate, isn't it? <laughs> Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Old time is still a-flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Thank you, Mr. Pitts. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. Let's cease the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding! Thank you for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing turn cold, and die. It's a regular ray of sunshine. <laughs> Carpe, now this, that, that, that poem comes from a, a poem called To the Virgins, and it's about um, love and, and experiencing love and not wasting time before beauty fades. But I saw it in a great spiritual truth that all of us rosebuds are going to die and so instead of carpe diem, how about carpe momenta spiritualia? I found that on Google. <laughs> Seize spiritual moments. You have been given the good news of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit richly and continually abides in you and gives you the very words to speak truth, whether or not you are eloquently full of knowledge of Scripture or not. Why would we ever hide that and hold that? Let's gather as many as we can to this great party so that we see the eternal rose, Jesus Christ, being seated at his table in a kingdom that will last forever and ever. This world has a lot of stuff in it, and we all act like we're going to take it with us, but that is not the case. That's not the best that God has for us. And so let's be 
bearers of the best news. Let's be sent ones. Let's have the eyes understanding that we are on mission in the cashier, the grocery store, or on mission in China, wherever it is, the Lord is sending us there with a plan and a purpose to share the good news. And the last thing that I would say to you is that he provides the help, he provides the hope, and the rest of that story with Philip and the eunuch is that they continue on after he gives them the good news of Jesus and and the eunuch finds water on the side of the road, on a desert road, finds water. So God provides water and he gets baptized and we understand that now he receives the fullness of the faith here. This, This person who was completely kicked out of the Jewish courts now hearing the gospel has been set free and is going to be sitting at a table up there with us. All because Philip was obedient to the Spirit and lived a sent life and seized the moments. Seize the moments, my friends. Seize them. Little ones and big ones and trust that the Lord is with you always because he promised that. Conversions are not on our shoulders. The call is not for us to make them believe. The call is on us just to go and to share. So carpe momenta spiritualia. Seize the spiritual moments. Amen. On the night that the Lord was to be betrayed, he gathered his disciples together. And his disciples got together and the Lord Jesus seized a spiritual moment. And he gathered them together to kind of show them the new thing that was going to happen. The old covenant was going to be fulfilled and the new covenant was going to be established in the breaking of of his body and the shedding of his blood. And so he gathered them and took these ordinary elements, this Passover feast, and when he took the bread after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup, it was filled, and he poured out the wine and said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And our good friend, the apostle Paul, whom we'll meet in the next week probably. He reminds us that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, the living Lord, until he comes again. As often as you eat of this, you are filled and empowered. The Spirit comes alongside of you and reminds and convicts your heart of the measure in which you are saved so that you can leave and seize those spiritual moments and share it with others. At that same church, that pastor who did the chicken wing also had a very, very uh, famous and uh, hope to do it justice benediction. You go nowhere by accident. Every place that you go, God has sent you there for a reason. And so as you go, know that there is a plan and a purpose on your life to be sent ones, to be ones to go out sharing the good news of the gospel because it's just too good not to share. Gather those rosebuds so that they may be with you that day in the kingdom of heaven, seated next to Jesus himself at that great banquet. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, amen. Amen.